go to Titus tonight. Titus chapter 2. Last week, I did some preaching more to the men and things that we need to teach the uh, things we need to teach younger men, our sons especially. And then, you know, folks were wondering if I was going to preach to the women and what to teach younger women. But at first, I'm like, I don't know what to teach women. You know, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. I don't I don't think like a woman. But at the same time, uh, I did some reading up on it and studying what the Bible says. And I I uh, thought, well, one thing I can do, I can teach you. Ladies, what you're supposed to teach the younger women, okay? Now, as far as actually teaching the younger women and how to do that, that's up to you, ladies, because y'all are ladies, okay? And you're going to see as we go through some of this that uh, the Bible commands the older women to teach the younger women these things. And I guarantee you, you would do a whole lot better, or I should say, you would be more successful at it than I would, okay? I'm real good at telling people what they ought to do. Uh, I'm real good at you know I'm good, real good at barking orders out um, and you know yelling at what everybody should do. But as far as actually educating them and teaching them and getting them to where they will do it after that, well, that might be another story. And you know, you women, you know how to connect more on an emotional level with each other, with other women than I do. And so I do think you know God knew what He was talking about when He said the older women should teach some of these things to younger women. But we're going to look at these. Uh, and let's start reading in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But you do. All the teaching in the church is not for the pastor to do. Okay? While I do a lot of the teaching in the church, I'm not the only one. You know, older men are supposed to teach the younger men. Older ladies are supposed to teach the younger ladies. We all can learn from each other. I learn things from you all. Hopefully, I'll learn some things from me. And we're all supposed to be teaching each other helping each other. Uh, the Bible talks about submitting yourselves one to another. We've all got a lot that we can gain from each other. And that's the wonderful thing about a church and about that assembly. You've got people of all ages and all kinds of different backgrounds that have had all kinds of different experiences. And there's almost always somebody that can help you in your situation. There's somebody that can relate to your situation that's been through what you've been through. And boy, people ought to take advantage of that. And that's why it's important that you uh, are in a church and that you are a part of that church and that you get to know people in the church. You know, don't just come and hear the preaching and get out. You know, fellowship with each other, get to know each other. There's just a, a wealth of wisdom that you can get from people in this church. So, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But speak thou things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. So right here we see some instructions that are given uh, to the older women, some things that they are supposed to teach the younger women. Okay, And so first off, we see for an older woman to teach the younger women, there are some qualifications for them. Okay, Just because someone is older than you does not necessarily mean that they should be teaching. It mentions that the women that do the teaching here, that that they be in behavior as becometh godliness. Okay, It ought to be godly women 
older women that are teaching the younger women. They ought to be godly. They shouldn't be false accusers. They shouldn't be the gossips in the church. The people that go around backbiting, talking about other people. Notice the not given to much wine. Not given to much wine. Now I want to deal with this for a moment because notice it says not given to much wine. So is a little bit okay? Alright, and I want to show you something here too. This isn't my message tonight, but you all know that uh, I am a, you know, completely, I believe, an abstinence when it comes to alcoholic beverages, including wine. And notice it says not given to much wine. Okay, and then you don't have to turn to all these, but in Titus chapter 1 verse 7 where it's given the qualifications of a bishop, it says, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine. Okay, it doesn't say much wine. It says not given to wine for a bishop. First Timothy three two also says a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine. Okay, that's the bishop. Now, if you look in verse eight, when it gets to the deacons, it says likewise must the deacons be grave, not double tongued. Not given to much wine. Not greedy of filthy lucre. So why the difference? In the same chapter, we see the bishop is not to be given to wine, but the deacon's not given to much wine. What's that talking about? Alright? How do we justify this? And I'm just going to tell you, this is, this comes from me. Alright? This is, I did not steal this explanation from someone else, but this is what I, this is what I believe. About it, okay? So why does the Bible say a bishop not given to wine, but a deacon not given to much wine? Just like the older women not given to much wine. Well, I believe that one of the reasons, remember the bishop, okay, he was somebody that was picked from one of the elders in the church, okay? But a bishop usually was somebody, the one who is the overseer usually was a younger person because it was somebody who had to have his children in subjection with all gravity. Okay, So it's not going to be the oldest guy in the church because his kids are all going to be grown up. It was somebody who had children in the home, usually. And he was not to be given to wine, but a deacon who could have been really at any age, he was somebody who was not to be given to much wine. Why the difference? Well, I believe we can find out. If we go to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 4, this is... who I believe wine is for. Okay, and I'm talking about alcoholic wine here. It says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Now, why can't you know a king or a prince? What's the difference in a king or a prince? You know, why can they not have wine, but the commoners can't have some wine? Okay, now I think everybody agrees drunkenness is always a sin. I mean, even a lot of your trendies that are starting to get okay with the drinking wine and things like that, even they will tell you it's wrong to be drunk. But notice for the king, they shouldn't drink wine. Verse 5, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment of any of the afflicted. Okay? We can't be... A king should not be drinking. You know, I get aggravated when I hear our leaders talking about drinking. Okay, when I, I've heard in the debates them talking about drinking. I mean, even Ted Cruz, you know, I've heard him talking about drinking scotch and stuff in one of the debates. It's like, you know what? I don't want to hear about a president drinking. Obama has never impressed me one bit when he's had his little beer summits with people. I'm not impressed by that one bit. I think that's a shame to the office. And you know, I think it's pretty sad when the Mormon 
candidate for president, he wasn't ashamed to be completely alcohol-free. The Mormon, he wasn't embarrassed by it one bit. He was proud of it. You know, he talked about one one of the. I forgot what somebody asked him a question about something, and he attributed it to you know fifty some years or however old he is being sober, because he's never drank. You know why? Because he's a Mormon. But then when you have the Baptist Ted Cruz, Southern Baptist, he talks about drinking. I'm not impressed by that one bit. You know what? Get a backbone. You know, start following the Word of God, and don't. Who cares what the world thinks? Oh, I don't want to look like one of these really religious. Why not? All right, if say you're a follower of Christ, act like. But anyway, that's another subject. King King shouldn't drink. Okay, I know the presidents aren't kings, but they're leaders. They should should not drink. Give, who should drink? Who is the wine for? Give strong drink to him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. If someone is sick and dying, if they are in pain. It's okay for them to get some relief, isn't it? None of us are offended when we go to a hospital and someone's dying and they're pumping them up with morphine and stuff. Okay, Now, we all know that a healthy person should not be taking those things. Why? Because it could have some serious long-term side effects. It's addictive. But if someone's about to die, okay, some morphine's not going to hurt them. It's going to make their passing a little bit easier. And back then, they didn't have all those things that we do now. And so if somebody was dying, you know what? Go ahead and give them some wine. It'll help them forget their pain. It'll help them forget their suffering. Let that person drink. And I think, so what I believe about the deacons and the older women not being given to much wine, why would the older women need some wine? Well, now I'm only 35 years old, but you know what? Older people usually struggle more with pain and stuff, don't they? And sickness. Why? Because they're older, right? You know, things start falling apart and they don't work good. 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul's talking to Timothy, who is a pastor, and he says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Okay? Use a little. He told Timothy, go ahead and use a little. Why? Timothy had some health problems. Go ahead and use a little wine for your stomach's sake. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, But speak thou things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound of faith, charity, patience, that the aged women likewise, we read that, not given to much wine. Okay? If somebody is an older person in the church, today, and they're on some medications because they have some problems, if it's a little bit, that's fine. They can still think. They can still make good judgments. They can still lead. However, giving them too many responsibilities could be problems if they've got serious health problems. Because a lot of times those medications have some serious side effects. It can cause them to make bad judgments. I know of some pastors who have committed suicide. And one thing those pastors had in common, they were on some pretty strong drugs for different pain, you know, back pain and things that they were dealing with. And I think it's safe to say that if a pastor it has some serious health problems where he has to take drugs that can alter his mind, he probably should step down from being a pastor. Could he still serve in the church? Absolutely, he can still serve in the church. But he probably shouldn't be making the big decisions when he 
is taking medication that could influence his thinking. But the older, but and there's going to be older people. They're on medications. They're taking things, and that's fine. They can be a great blessing. They can be a great help, but they probably shouldn't be the ones in charge. And that's why it says for the bishop, not given to wine. Okay. Now, if I get sick and I have to take a little medicine, like Timothy had to take a little wine for his stomach's sake, I'll be fine. It's not enough that it's going to affect my judgment. That's going to hurt my thinking. But if I'm starting to have some serious problems and I'm on a lot of different medications, I probably should step down. Now, you might not like that explanation, but I think it's as good as any of I've ever heard, and I think it makes sense. I think it lines up when you see him saying, not given to much wine. It's not to those that are in the, in the, in the main leadership, but it's for those who serve and who are helping. It's, they're not going to hurt anything. It, they can still be a blessing, even if they're on a lot of medication and stuff. But if it's too much... Their judgment's too wacky, you know, then that's probably not the person you want to talk to. And so I do. I think it's okay to take medication for things. And but um, if said so as a pastor, if I'm on all kinds of things, I'm not going to think straight. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be able to study like I need to. And a lot of times they don't. You know, people that are on a lot of different medications don't have a lot of control of their emotions like they should. And I don't know, it might get kind of weird up here sometimes. I might get kind of crazy and out of control and start saying some pretty crazy stuff. And some of you might be thinking, are you already on medication after some of the things I've heard you preach? But uh, I'm not. I don't, I, don't t- I don't take medicine for anything. But I do. I think it was medicine. And, you know, and unfortunately, in our society today, it's perfectly acceptable in our culture for people to go drink. And you know what? I think to have a bar, it, I think it's just as bad having a bar as it would be to have a pharmacy where people just go and for recreation, they buy drugs. I mean, nobody would think that's a good idea. If I just went and opened this pharmacy where people can just come and without prescriptions or anything, hey, you know, y'all want some Prozac or Valium or Vicodin or whatever, go ahead. That would be wrong. You don't take that stuff just to take it and just to get a little buzz or whatever. That has some serious long-term effects and but that's what people are doing with alcohol all the time and they will take verses like these ones that I've read and use those as excuses and if you can take these verses and say it's okay to just go drink wine for recreation then you know what you shouldn't have a problem if I open one of those pharmacy bars where people just come and take it for recreation there is no difference at all so I believe that that's the difference in the qualifications there. So that's just kind of a bonus there for you. But older women should. They should, if they're going to be teaching, it should be godly women. It should be women that uh, you know meet these qualifications that the Bible talks about. And so it specifies things that they need to teach them. Things that younger women need to be taught by older women. And the first thing it mentions, it says to be sober. Okay. Now, I don't want to be mean tonight. Y'all, y'all know. I, I mean, I do. I love women. All right? I, I care about women very much. You know, people say, you know, yeah, you just don't like women. I love my wife. I love my daughters. I love my mother. You know, isn't that all I really need? No, I, I do. I mean, I'm thankful for women. If there weren't women, we wouldn't be here, would we? If there weren't women, most of us guys, our clothes probably wouldn't be matching right now. You know, we probably would look a lot worse than we do, and our houses would probably unfit for human habitation if it were not for our wives. Okay, let me tell you something. I do. I appreciate women, but the, he's. I didn't say this. The first thing that Paul mentioned 
for the older women to teach the younger women is to be sober. Now, what does that mean? It's not talking about you know sober in the sense that they're not drunk, but it's talking about to make of sound mind. Okay. Now, I'm not I'm not picking on women's mental issues here. Okay, but it means you know to make of sound mind, to teach to be sober, to be calm, not under the influence of passion. Sober judgment, okay, as a man in his sober senses, that's what it's talking about. Sobriety, you have to teach them that. You know, sometimes I'm going to get in trouble, but you know, sometimes women get kind of crazy, don't they? You know, and sometimes they get a little emotional about things and start. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It's, this is none of you women here. It's, it's women out in the world that do this. They do. They they get kind of crazy sometimes and get. They get a little wacky, and you know that's why there's so much medication out there too. You know to help help calm them down. And let me tell you something: women, what they don't need Prozac and Valium and all these things. You know what they need? They need older women to teach them how to remain calm. Now, listen, I'm not going to get up here and try to tell you all you ladies how to you know stay calm and stay sober. Okay? I don't think like a woman. I I don't I don't operate like a woman. I don't have the same hormones that a woman has. I don't I don't go through things that women go through. And you know, guys, we we get frustrated sometimes, you know, when the women are having their, you know, their kind of emotional roller coasters and all that. And I'm not talking about my wife. This is, you know, what I've heard from other husbands. Okay, I don't want to get myself in trouble either. But uh, you know, you you get kind of frustrated, you know, why can't you just be you know, even tempered like us guys. You know, why do you have to do? We can't possibly know. We are not women. We do not function like women. But somebody's got to teach them. And husbands, we get in trouble when we try, don't we? I mean, and let me tell you something, older, you know, older ladies. You know, you do. You can help these guys out quite a bit by helping some of the younger women to get under control. Because when us guys try, you know, all we get is you know, you don't understand. You can't understand, and and we just we get in big trouble. And, you know, we sometimes want to go camping for a few days, right? In the wilderness or on the corner of a housetop, right? You know, and I think you all know what I'm talking about there. Uh, but like, thinking about the book of Proverbs. But, yeah, we can't do that. But older women, you know, you've been through all that. You know how, you know how it works. You know what they're feeling. And you can be a big help. You know, guys, we're not going to know what to do. And the thing is, too, they want us to help, but you know, and you guys, you know, they'll go and they'll try, they'll, they'll go to the pharmacy and buy something, thinking maybe, maybe this will help, and that's just going to get you in more trouble right there, too, if you try to drug them up, and it, it's going to take the older women, all right? And ladies, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need my wife, don't need you, but you know, some of the other husbands, they they need you uh, to step in and to be a help and a, and a blessing in those areas to teach them to be sober. Okay, and then the second one too. Now I don't know what's so tough about this one, but it says teach them to be sober and to love their husbands. Now why is that hard? I mean, honestly, why is that? Why why do they need to be taught that? Why? I mean, see, you know, guys, we're clueless on this stuff, right? But it says you got to teach them to love your husbands, and you have to teach younger women that because you know what younger women think. Younger women think that love is something that just. You know, it just happens, right? You know, you just fall in love and everything's wonderful and you run off and you live happily ever after and there's never any problems. And then, you know, they've seen that, you know, it works every time in all the movies, you know, and all of a sudden they go and they get married and they have that great wedding day and that honeymoon and then the honeymoon's over and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, 
Where's my happily ever after? What's going on? You know, this guy is not what I thought I married. You know, he's kind of gross. You know, he's got some bad habits. He's a pain in the neck sometimes. What is going on? And you start wondering, you know, I don't feel like I love this guy, but you know what? It's not about all the emotional stuff. It's not about the feelings. And older women know that. There's older women. They, they, they stuck it out with their men. They put up with all the sights and sounds and smells and all, you know, they, they put up with all that stuff. They know how to deal with it. They understand that, you know, love and all that is not what you see on TV. It's not this fairy tale stuff. They know what real life is and that apparently, once again, I don't know because I'm not a woman, but apparently, you know, guys are difficult for women sometimes. You know, we're the, we're the emotionally stable ones normally, right? I mean, you know, we're, but, but sometimes I guess we're a pain in the neck. You know, a bunch of guys, we can get together and, you know, have fun with all the sights and sounds and smells and all that, but, you know, women, for some reason, have a problem with that. I don't understand that, but you know what? Apparently, there's some older ladies, there's people here, they've been married for a very long time, and they've learned how to deal with it. And you know how many young people these days, they get married and they don't even stay married for even a year? Okay? And they think that it's going to be better with the next husband. And then they get the next husband and it's the same thing. And they'll try again. And they try over and over again, and it never seems to work. You know, you're supposed to learn how to love that first husband. And I think it should be easy, but apparently it's not. So older ladies, you got to help the younger ladies out on that. I don't know how. I, 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 don't, I don't see why my wife ever has any problems with me, why she gets upset, but she does sometimes. And so I know it's not my fault. So, uh, you know, some of you, some of you, you know, ladies, older ladies, you need to help, you know, help, her, help her out. I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble. But uh, <laughs> my wife really needs a lot of help after tonight. But anyway, I hope she's not listening back there. But anyway... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, loving and loving your husband too. All right, loving your husband. Once again, this is not just love. Is not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. Part of what that means is the husband should be the wife's priority. Okay, and I think it's the same thing too. You know, to be fair, the wife should be the husband's priority. But in Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-seven, Jesus said, "He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me." And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, we are and basically what God was or Jesus was saying is he should be the priority. He should be the focal point. And in Luke chapter fourteen verse twenty six, he says, "If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciples." And we know he's not saying we have to hate our families. But he's saying that he should be priority. When he's saying that we should love him, it's just like the verse that says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. It's very clear when you study that that God preferred Jacob over Esau. God blessed Jacob above Esau. God was pleased with Jacob above Esau. And you know what? When it comes to your family, wives, your husband should be the priority over the children. Same thing husbands. Your wife should be priority over the children. In many marriages, it's the children that's a priority. And as a result, many times the marriage suffers. And I'm telling you right now, that's a mistake. Because remember, marriage 
It's for life. It's supposed to be till death do you part. And one of these days, your kids are going to grow up and you're still going to have that husband or wife. And you, I mean, kids, you might have them there for 20 years, but you're supposed to be married for 50, 60, 70 years if you live that long. And so you better keep marriage the focal point. You better keep each other as the priority. And I do, I believe that younger women can, or the older women can help the younger women in that area. Teach them to love their husband. Husband is a priority first. Guys, same thing. Wife is a priority over the children. Okay? And I don't believe God wants us to neglect our families to focus on Him. In fact, focusing on Christ, putting Him first, it, it implies loving your family because He commanded us to do that. That's one of the instructions that He gave us. Us putting God first means as husbands, we're going to take care of our wives and kids. Okay? And so, and wives, part of you being obedient to God means you loving your husband. And I can definitely say this for me and my family. One of the things that I want my wife to do one of the things my wife can do that can be a help and a blessing to me is take care of my kids. Okay, I don't want her to be so focused on me she neglects the kids. And I don't think that's what God's talking about. However, in the big picture, when it comes to order of priorities, spouse comes before kids. Sorry, kids. But you know what? Thankfully, I was taught that at a young age. That was something my parents taught me. That was something you know, many times... My dad, even when I knew I was right, if it came to a conflict between me and mom, and I knew I was right. He always picked mom's side over mine. Every time. And you know, one time he told me, one of these days, you're going to grow up and be out of the house, I'm still going to be with your mom. That's not fair. Well, it's the way it was. And that's the way it should be. Okay, Spouse priority over the children. And so we see here that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. And then, it also says after that, love their children. Okay, You're supposed to love the children too. Now, I think I can understand this a little bit, but I can understand sometimes moms struggling with loving their children. Okay, You know, sometimes kids drive you crazy. Sometimes you, know, you probably want to strangle your kids and, or sell them to the gypsies or you know, send them off to a boarding school somewhere. I'm sure every parent has probably felt that a time or two in their life. But you know what? The older women... They can, you know, they are a testimony to prove that you know what you can raise your children and not end up in the nut house. You know, you can raise your children, and they can be. I mean, have you ever? I'm sure I'm not the only parent that's faced this before, but you know, have you ever had one of those moments where your kids just did something completely embarrassing? I mean, you were just embarrassed. They did something really stupid. I could tell some stories, but I don't want to embarrass any of my kids right now. Where you're just like. You know, you wish you could have pretended it was somebody else's kid, but everybody already knew. Okay, you know, we we've all had those experiences before. I'm sure my parents had it once or twice with my sisters, but uh, I'm sure that happened. But you know that that parent, that older parent, I'm sure they've dealt with that before. I'm sure every parent's had one of those moments with your children where you thought, "I'm failing as a parent. My kid's going to turn out, you know, to." You know, be an inmate in the prison. Uh, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You've all felt that, and you know what? A lot of times, there's an, another older mom in the church who can come along, put her arm around, and say, "You know, you think your kid's bad. Let me tell you about some things my kids did one time." And you know, the, you know, thank God women do that. You know, ladies, share your stories that you you know share your failures 
with some of the mothers. It'll, it'll help them feel a little better. It'll help them get through some of those tough times. You know, and unless your kid did turn out, you know, be a prison inmate and it, and it didn't and it didn't work out. But you know, we've you know we've had some experiences as parents before. We've had things that it's like, you know, kids, we're going to keep this quiet. Uh, for a while, you know, we'll, we'll share the story one of these days when we're when we're over the embarrassment. But you know, for now, uh, you know, this was a failure. Uh, let's let's keep this hush hush, okay? And then you know, ten years from now, we might share the story, okay? And I'm not going to say too much, but you know, recently we had an experience that it's between our family, you know, and it's like <laughs> that was kind of a failure on our part. We'll share it one of these days, but not yet. It's going to be a while because we do. We all mess up sometimes. We all fail. We have those moments where we do. We just feel like the worst parent in the world. And I think every mom's probably felt that before. And old, you know, older women, you can help mothers greatly in that area. You can be the one that kind of helps them keep their sanity and not completely feel like a failure and cause them not give up and sell them to the gypsies or send them to boarding school. I mean, listen, there are women out there that have went and drowned their kids. Okay, I know that these women literally went crazy, didn't they? You know, maybe if they were in a church, somebody could have helped. You know, been helping them out. I mean, we we don't we have no idea what some people are going through. I'm not justifying anybody. You know, killing their kids or doing something crazy, but some people literally go crazy, don't they? I mean, life's hard, and some people don't know how to cope, and they literally are all alone. They have no support system, nobody helping them out, their families aren't doing it. And but you know, and here's the thing, not everybody has a family. Not every mother still has her mother around. Maybe her mother's dead and gone. Not everybody has it, but you know what? Everyone can have a church family. You might not have any of your own family, but everyone can have a church family. And so, you know, ladies, you need to watch out for each other. And you know, be paying attention. You know, you see, you see a mom, and it looks like she is just about to lose it, and you can tell. You know, you you, you can tell when it's about to happen when they're going crazy, and you can tell they've been pulling their hair out and stuff. You know, man, you know, go babysit the kids, and then be super strict to the kids and real mean. That way, uh, you, you know, you can tell the kids if I find out you're giving your mom trouble. She's going to send you back to my house, and that might be something you can use to make them good for a while too. And it'll make them appreciate their parents. Man, I wouldn't want you know. I'm glad you're my mom after staying with them for a while. So you know, I'm not above using something like that. But love your children. Children. So husband's priority over the children. But you know what? And this is politically incorrect, but I don't care. Children should come before your career. Okay. Am I saying a lady can't have a job? Absolutely not. You know, if you if a lady wants to go out and work and do something to make money and better herself, get some educate extra education, whatever, go right ahead. But you know what? Don't neglect your kids. They come first. Don't let some daycare raise your kids so you can go make a little extra money, so you've got more money to go spend at the beauty salon. Okay? Do without those things. Kids come first. Alright? And if if you're taking care of your kids, if your kids are growing up or whatever. And you have time to do some of those things, fine, but your kids come before a career. Do not neglect your kids. Do not put them on the back burner. Listen, you only get one chance to raise those kids. You get one chance. One chance to get it right. Don't mess it all up because you wanted to be, 
you know, Miss Successful, you were watching all these TV women where they make it look bad if they're just a mom. I mean, you know, we can't, we, you know, we can't be having shows anymore like Leave It to Beaver where you got June Cleaver who doesn't do anything except, you know, take care of her house and cook for her husband and, you know, wait for him to get home from work. You know, she's got to be out there, you know, working a job. And, you know, that's, that's politically incorrect. But you know what? I guess Wally and Beaver weren't—they were still pretty bad kids, weren't they? But that—that's television. <laughs> but listen, they—they they come first. Don't neglect those things. Do without a few things. Love your children. Teach them to do that. And then also, we see uh, one of the things it says to teach them is to be in verse five to be discreet. Okay, that means safe. It, you know, sound in mind, self-controlled. Okay, or prudent, wise, and avoiding errors or evil. And in selecting the best means to accomplish a purpose. Circumspect. Cautious. Wary. Not rash. Very good thing. You know, be careful. Okay? If you if you're gonna you know as as a parent, and moms especially, they are, they're kind of usually the worry warts of the family, aren't they? They're usually the ones that you don't want to make sure all the doors are locked and the windows are locked and always checking on the kids. You know, me, we we live out in the country. I don't care if the doors are locked or unlocked. We never had anybody try to break into our house. And my wife, then one night we don't lock it. That's when they're going to come in. I don't even think about that. Okay? She checks the doors all the time because I will never remember to because I'm not worried about that. But they're kind of the worry wards. You know, they worried, you know, do the kids, have the kids got to eat? You know, if they're not screaming for food, I'm not that worried about it, you know? I mean, I mean they worry about that stuff, you know? They'll notice if, if kids. Are sick. When I was younger, I hated taking medicine for anything. I just didn't want to take medicine. And I remember I was really sick one day, and I knew I was sick. And I did not want mom to know I was sick because she had made me take medicine. And I didn't want to take it. And I remember finally she like found me asleep behind some chair somewhere. I'd been there for a really long time, and she knew something was up. And she came and checked on me and felt me and saw I had a fever. And then was mad when she found out I knew I was sick and was trying to keep it from her. And, and you know, I was like, you know, why didn't you tell me? It's like, you know, because you give me medicine as she's giving me medicine. You know, but it was my mom that noticed. It wasn't my dad that noticed. I don't know if he would have. <laughs> you know, it's, it's moms that notice those things. And, that, you know, that's good. And you got, you got to help them out with that to teach them, you know, to be careful about the things that they allow in the house. You know, the people, the, their friends that, that are around them, you know, you know, like my, with, with me too, you know, in, in the in the beginning, when it came to a lot of the medical stuff, you know, I just trust the doctors for everything. I, if they say it's fine, I'm sure it's fine. You know, they'd want to give them all these shots and everything. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. My wife was always the one worried about it. Oh, are we sure we want to be doing all these things? Yeah, the doctor said it's fine. It's fine. Give it to them. You know, that's how I kind of used to be. But she was the one that kind of started, you know, looking into these things and reading stuff and paying attention to all that and saying maybe I wasn't even worried about it. You know, now that I know a few things. I'm a little more worried about it, but you know what? I didn't go learn those things on my own. You know, she taught me a lot of that stuff because she was the one worried about it, not me. And women are more, they're just more like that. And that's good. That's some, that's the way they ought to be. You know, and guys, we are, we're kind of careless sometimes. And once again, that's why women just complete the men. That you get the whole package, you know, when you have the man and the woman teaching that. Also, it says to be chaste. Okay, it means to be clean, innocent. You know, to to be pure. Uh, another definition: you know, pure from all 
Unlawful commerce of sex is applied to persons before marriage. It signifies pure from all sexual commerce, undefiled, applied to married persons, true to the marriage bed. And then also free from obscenity. That is one of the definitions that we see. Uh, in 1 Peter 3, 2, it mentions you know, the unbelieving husband while they behold your chaste conversation. Okay? Having that, uh, you know, being chaste not just in your actions, okay, but in how you look, how you behave, how you talk, all of those things. And let me tell you something. Older women in the world are not teaching that to younger women. Because let me tell you something. I mean, it is disgusting the way women talk these days. It is disgusting. You know, I hear women cuss more in public than I do guys. I really do. I was walking into Casey's one day, and there is this lady. I shouldn't say lady. A female. And she is on the phone talking to some lady. She's one of these women that has these really loud, obnoxious voices. And she's just talking and just cussing away. And you know, finally, I made eye contact with her. And when I did, I just kind of gave her one of these... Like that, I do that all the time. I don't care. Oh, they're ladies, you know. You should be no, no, they're not ladies. I did that at Walmart one day. One came walking out, and she just, you know, just let one rip right in front of her husband. And then she kind of made eye contact with me and saw me. And I did. I just 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 did that. And she got real quiet as we walked by. There was a group of young teenage girls in Walmart the other day. I'm talking like you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen year old girls in Walmart. And they're all sent there, and they they're just cussing away, and they didn't know I was standing there, and I and all of a sudden they saw me and kind of stopped, and I was just like, I I just I kind of went walking, I was like pathetic, I was a bunch of low life, you know, I, 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 you shouldn't have done that, I don't care, you know, I, 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 it ticked me off, and they were embarrassed, they you know they got real red, and you know, whatever happened to teaching being chased. That's not what they're being taught. In Hollywood today, you know, you see girls, the women, they pursue the guys as bad as you know, listen, in nature, it's always been the male that's pursued the female. Okay? That that is just the law of nature. And you know, we gotta teach our guys to have some self control and how to behave themselves in that area. You know, there's gonna be some natural uh, things that they're going to have to deal with it's a problem. But you know what? Women acting like that, that's not normal. But you know what? It's what they're being taught in Hollywood. And they're, they are not being taught to be chaste. And that's something that you know, older ladies, you've got to teach younger women. They need to understand the value of that. They need to understand the consequences of these things. And it's so sad just how easy girls are these days. And it's just as wicked as all get out. And you know why? It's because they have no idea of their value. They don't understand the value of purity. And older ladies, you can help. And you know what? Not just the older ladies can help there, but dads could help greatly in that area too. You need to be your daughter's protector. And you need to let her know how valuable she is. And all these little punks that come along, you need to teach them, you're better than that. You are too good for them. Oh no, we can't teach. No, I'm, I'm, I teach my girl. I'm going to teach my girl. They are too good for all these punks that are out there. I'm going to teach them. They're valuable. That not just any guy gets you. He's going to have to be somebody special. He's going to have to make some effort. He's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to earn my respect if he's going to get my daughter. Because why? Because you're special. 
You are precious. Not just anybody gets you. And young ladies are not being taught that. And I do. I see girls these days out in public with these young guys, and you see the stuff that's going on. And I just want to scream, Where is their dad? You know, where's their mom, too? But where is their dad? If some of these creepy guys were out there and I knew they were anywhere around my daughter, man, I would be going nuts. I, I mean, there, there is no way. And the, you, I mean, you see the stuff these kids are doing out in public. If I saw one of these slimy greaseballs doing that with my daughter, I, I, I'd probably go to jail for murder. But, you know, we're not taught to protect, that, protect our daughters. We don't teach them to respect themselves and to value themselves and to value their purity and to value that chaste conversation. And you know, it would be uh, you know, ladies, you know, older ladies especially, you know, you can help them in ways and, and talk to them about things where guys can't. Boy, you could be such a help there, and you you need to do that. These young these young ladies and even young wives they need help, and that you know they need to be taught. The importance of being faithful to their husband. You know, sometimes they just get tempted. They get unsatisfied. You know, when their husband's being a pain in the neck or whatever, and they're having problems, and you have got to help them with that. You've got to teach them those things. And then, uh, so finally, uh, after Chase, we see it says to be keepers at home. First Timothy chapter two, and verse eleven. If you want to turn over there, the Bible's First Timothy chapter two, and verse eleven. I know this goes against what's being taught. This totally goes against our culture. But you know what? Our culture stinks. Uh, our culture is going to hell. Our culture is failing big time. First Timothy 2.11 says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, uh, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, charity, and holiness and sobriety. What does that mean? She shall be saved in childbearing. Okay, it doesn't mean that a woman to be to get saved she has to have kids, but it's talking about being saved from um, you know a lot of evil, being saved from being turned aside. After Satan, we see in the Bible that it talks about you know those women that learn to be idle, tattlers, busybodies. We see it mentions those who don't do these things have already turned aside after Satan. And one thing that will help keep a lady out of a lot of trouble is having kids. She's not going to have time to go hanging out with her stupid friends that's going to get her in trouble while they're just being foolish and going clubbing or whatever. You know, she's not going to go have time to go out spending all the money and running up credit cards and, you know, gambling money at her, you know, at the casino with her friends. When you have kids, you don't have time for a lot of that stuff. And it saves you a lot of trouble. There's supposed to be keepers at home. You've got stuff to do. You're busy. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 9 says, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported up for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse... For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not, 
I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. He's telling the church, don't take the woman in if she's under, what was it, three score years old? Because a younger woman who doesn't have any kids, anything to do, she is going to end up, she doesn't have a husband, doesn't have kids. She's just going to get in trouble. She's going to be one of these gossips that goes around from house to house. But you know what, ladies? When you've got a husband to take care of, that's a pretty big job, isn't it? And when you have kids to take care of, it's a really big job. And it will keep you from being a tattler and a busybody in other men's matters. It will keep you from turning aside after Satan like it says there. And I believe that's what it means when it says she shall be saved in childbearing. You're going to be saved from a lot of evil. You're going to be saved from a lot of wickedness when you're having kids because you don't have time to get in trouble, you've got a job, you have a career, you're a keeper at home and it's a wonderful thing and nothing to be ashamed of. And then just real quickly, we see after that, to be keepers at home, to be good. Okay? And I think we all know what being good means. You know, teach to be good. You know, the, you know, we ought to want to have the, uh, the reputation, you know, that you're a good wife, a good mother. A good woman, a good Christian. You know, men, we want to be a good man. We want to be somebody who has character, one that people can look at and and respect. And we all know the kind of things. For men, for example, one thing that we kind of take pride in is our work, isn't it? You know, we take pride in our work and the fact that, you know, we have a job, the fact that we provide for our families. And, you know, most of us men in here, I think all of us men in here, if we didn't have a job, if we didn't have, didn't do any work, most of us would be pretty embarrassed by that. If we sat at home every day while our wife was out working and making all the money, we'd be ashamed of that, wouldn't we? Most of us, we when we see guys like that, you know, that sit at home playing video games while their wife's out working, what do we think? Scumbag, deadbeat, loser. And I say amen to all of those things. But you know, but we do. We want to have that reputation of being good. And you know what? A wife or and a mother especially, one of the things that reflects on the woman, if those kids are just out of control, a lot of times that reflects on the mother more than the father, doesn't it? The way the kids look, the way they're dressed. Many times that reflects on the mother more than it does the dad. When people see well-behaved children, it more than likely it makes the mom look good more than the dad. I like to take credit for everything, but you know what? I mean, it, it does. It it's probably more about the mother. And I think you know, older ladies, you know, you need you need to teach younger women. Hey, you know, it's you know, your kid looks like they just you know crawled out of a sewer, and they smell like it too. You know. Have you ever thought about bathing them? You know, help them out. You know how many parents they they many parents say they just don't know how to do anything with their kids. They have no clue what they're doing. They are in they are in way over their head. They need some help. They need some guidance. Hey, did you know that part of your kid's behavior problem is when you give them Mountain Dew for in their bottle at night instead of milk? They're probably not going to sleep real good, you know. I mean, but you know, the kids, the, the little kids, they they'll prefer soda over milk. I mean, I remember the first time we gave Lana and, and all our kids first time they tried soda. You know, they suck it out a little bit out of the straw, and man, their eyes always get all watery. But boy, they get this excited look on their face, and man, they want more, don't they? 
And I always try to wait as long as we can to introduce them to those kind of things because after that they want it all the time. And you know, but we know we know that's bad. Some moms don't know that. Some moms think you can feed your kids, you know, ding dongs and Twinkies for breakfast and stuff, and that's a nutritious breakfast. And it's not. You know, and older women you gotta help 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 the younger women out with that. That's not good. Teach them about, you know, healthy food. Uh, and then finally, we're running out of time. I, I should have spent most of the time on this one. I don't know why this is a problem. I don't know why women struggle with this one, but the last one we see obedient to husbands. First uh, Peter chapter three, verse one through six. I, I don't know why this is hard. I don't know why God commanded the older women to teach younger women this. I think I think my wife just needs to listen to whatever I say, and it shouldn't be a problem for her. But apparently, some women have trouble with it, and so older women have to teach the younger women. And it says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word. Be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time the holy women, the holy women also trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. I think it's easy. Do what your husbands say. Listen to your husbands. Be in subjection to your husbands. But you know what? I guess sometimes guys make decisions that they aren't always the best. And apparently... I'm going off other people's wisdom. When ladies fight their husbands on these things, guys sometimes get a little more stubborn, don't they? They double down. And even it's like when they get lost, you know, don't go that way. No, this is the right way. You know, and and they, they can't admit they're wrong, so they just keep getting farther and farther out of the way and farther and farther lost. Okay? And you older ladies can probably help that you know, there's ways to help your husband out. You know, when he needs help. You know, and you know, there's. You know, I guess it's hard sometimes to father leadership because you know what, guys sometimes make mistakes. And you know what, God knew we make mistakes sometimes. God knew we weren't always going to get it right. But He put the man in charge. That is the order that God gave. And I don't know. So I think it should be easy, but apparently it's not. So you know, older ladies, that's. That's on you, alright? I'd let you preach this part, but you know, that's not how it works in the church either. But, uh, you know, you know, help, help the younger women on that. You know, your daughters, you know, the young ladies, they're not gonna pick up on any of these things we've talked about from Hollywood, school. It's gonna have to be taught by their mothers. It's gonna have to be taught by the older ladies in the church. This is your job. I'll yell about what the scripture says, but when it comes to the emotions of it and the day-to-day aspect of it, ladies, that's where you come in. And we need this kind of thing passed down in our culture. The world is failing miserably. Let's not have the same failures. So with that, let's all stand together.